G'day party people. This is your one and only source into the shenanigans of a couple of Sheilas. I'm your host, Emma Henrahan, and along with my trailblazing guests, we'll be sharing all of our juicy stories, our biggest secrets, the what not to do's, the lessons we've learnt, or the mistakes, and too many times we've been baked. Stay tuned. You're listening to Sheilas and Shenanigans. Welcome back. It is season two, episode two. And if you enjoy Woo Woo Taboo, then this one is for you. We are joined here today by the lovely Rhiannon. She is a tree hugger, a fairy lover, and a big believer in the magic of the universe and superhuman powers. She's the author of the revolutionary children's book, The Adventures of Alchemy and Aloe, and owner of Evolutivo. She's constantly obsessed with up-leveling her life in order to activate her own innate potential so she can show the world just what the human race is truly capable of. And I have been one of those lucky people that's been able to gain all of this superpowers. So after studying the undeniable success of the law of attraction alongside 10 years of experience working in the children's education industry, Rhiannon created this book in order to formulate a way to assist both children and adults in remembering their inner magic and utilizing their mindset to embrace their unlimited potential in order to solve everyday problems, something in which we all need a little more of in our lives. So without further ado, I introduce my inspiration, my accountability buddy, and my fairy friend, Rhiannon Watson. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, sis. (laughs) It's an honor to have you here today. It is an absolute honor to be here. I'm so excited for this podcast. We've been talking about it for a hot minute, and I am just so grateful that I'm in the chair ready to rock and roll. Yes, and I read your book yesterday, and I... It actually helped me in real time. So I've never felt more passionate about this subject and I'm so excited to dive into it with you. So let's start off by you explaining to me how you got to this place in the first place. What is your story, sis? Um, yeah, so it's it's a bit of a journey for sure. This book is something that is a bit of a culminate cultivation of everything that I've ever done. Um, So I think it all started when I watched the movie The Secret when I was 11. And of course, that's about the law of attraction and, and, and all that jazz. But obviously being 11, hearing about the law of attraction, that your thoughts attract things. I kind of fell into the, oh no, if I think bad things, bad things are going to happen. And so I kind of hyper-focused on that and was really aware of what I was thinking at all times and forgot to kind of live at times and was really more focused on what I was thinking. And so I was in my head for probably the first few years as a little child. That's crazy. (laughs) You're like overanalyzing it and then like attracts like. And I was watching a YouTube last night, a TED talk, and they were like, if you say, don't think about this, like all you're doing is thinking about that thing. So I can only imagine that that was bringing in the opposite effect that the secret was meant to have on you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Gave yourself anxiety as an 11 year old. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so I tried my best to work out the the secret as they say um but then combining that with my passion for working with children as soon as I got out of high school I guess I tried to apply it in the positive sense with the kids as well so I was already really passionate for kids just naturally and so when I went into childcare, it was like okay I'm just going to try and do the positive side of it and whatever positive effects we have for these kids I'm going to 
focus on that instead of what happened to me, which was focusing on the negative. And so I really tried to apply that in my first few years of childcare. But of course, I kind of came to the realisation that all the educators there weren't always passionate. They were just there for the job and, and the money as such. And so being able to observe that over 10 years combined with a lot of this spiritual enlightenment, I became more aware of the kids and their feelings and what they must be going through, being taught by adults that were necessar- weren't necessarily there for their well-being but ne- just there for a job and, and for the money. And so I kind of stepped in as the second parent to these children as I was educating and tried my best to give them what I thought they needed, um, which which actually ended up after 10 years me leaving because I couldn't at, – at times it was painful to watch these children go through – things that I didn't necessarily agree with in the educational system, which thus led me to creating this book so that I could apply all my knowledge over the 10 years as a bit of a gift to what I had learnt and observed and take it a little step further that I thought the education system needed. Lovely. Yeah, I feel like as someone who really struggled with the education system, the way it was structured and the things I was learning that were just so beyond what I needed when I think about what I needed and my history of being in rehab and just what ended up conspiring in my life like this book embraces emotional awareness how kids can kids can better express and understand and calm themselves with their emotions and it uses that law of attraction to empower them to then be able to flip it from we got the fuzzy and the rosy emotions which I'm absolutely obsessed with but I feel like for someone who really did struggle with the education system not learning about what an emotion was as a kid and then learning about maybe all this mathematics stuff that they said we had to learn because we wouldn't have a calculator Mm. on us our whole lives and what do you know we do so I'm like this book is just like for me the core foundations of what not only kids need but adults given the fact that I feel like our generation and generations above us and pretty much every generation so far has not been enlightened with so how does like emotional when you were like at working 10 years with kids like what was happening in regards to emotions because for me I feel like this whole every kid has been told don't cry and that's just like instantly a suppression of those kids emotions and I feel like there's just a lot of the answers to like how are you is good which isn't an emotion either so like how would you see kids and their emotions and just that being like the core of like handling so many of them in one space yeah so I I think something I noticed the most was the kids were being treated as if they were just little adults and so a lot of the time if they did something wrong it was like oh well why would you do that and often they don't know why they did it. They're just experimenting <laughs> yeah, like, in a free-flowing <laughs> environment and they're being punished or talked to, talked down to. So they're never the, the teachers weren't getting on their level and talking to them human to human. They were talking to them like adult to adult. And it wasn't – it's not that dynamic at all. These are just little kids that aren't intentionally trying to hurt you or frustrate you. Mm-hmm. And often a lot of the times they were getting in trouble was because they were triggering whatever the educator was going through. Mm. And so it was all a lot of undealt childhood trauma from the educators that was then being projected onto the children as they were being triggered, thus creates the cycle again of traumatising the child so they grow up with the exact same triggers. So with the emotions I no- and noticing that, 
in the book we've changed it to if you're not if you're feeling negative and there's something going on in your head anxiety or swirling thoughts that's fuzzy and and you, we use that word fuzzy in the book so that it's a bit easier to explain and and more fun for a child to be able to express their emotion and say I'm feeling fuzzy because it's so descriptive yeah. As well. it's yeah. Like, whereas you've got negative, it replaces negative and positive. And for me, I grew up with like feeling anger, sadness, like especially anger, but like pain, anything that wasn't happy go lucky, that's, I would be told that is a negative emotion and we don't do that. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, but it's just my truth. So what do I do with that? <laughs> and you just learn to suppress it. But I feel like the seeing those words was, it's just like hit my soul. I was like, oh, that's like so much nonsense nicer but also just for me creates this little vision that I can actually like step into especially if I was a child yeah absolutely and and alongside with the illustrations it's showing the difference in a fuzzy thought and then the positive I say is rosy um and so in the illustrations you'll see alchemy with both thoughts on on each side and it's accepting that both are there and they and they are there and sometimes one's more prominent and in this book it's more about how alchemy can deal with his fuzzy thoughts um and that sometimes another one's more prominent or he might have both at the same time but either way the book goes through accepting fuzzy and rosy thoughts and how to deal with each and that they're both something that children are going to go through so I think it was lovely to hear that you enjoyed it because I think imagine what would have happened if you'd had this as a tool as a child to be able to talk about your fuzzy thoughts with your family and that it's just okay to feel fuzzy. My face is like, um, yesterday was like, even just having this book yesterday in my life, I woke up at like 4am or something with bulk fuzzy thoughts, just taking over my mind. I couldn't sleep. And then I read this book at like early morning and I was like, oh, this is what I'm doing and to be able to see those illustrations like this is happening to me right now it doesn't matter that I'm an adult it's actually better that it is that situation yeah imagine if I had this as a child and I could understand that like my whole entire issues came from the fact that I was like I didn't understand any emotions couldn't express them no one could hold space for them and I they they were kind of shamed I feel like a lot of my Mm. emotions were shamed unless I was happy and then I turned into this really big facade of okay cool if I just be happy then no one can shame me so I'm just going to be the happy person in the room and I very quickly became and we all know somebody who's had this that depressed person who really suffering but oh what really her? No way. Couldn't mm. imagine it being her. She's always happy. No, she's pulling a facade so that society accepts her because when she wasn't happy and she had fuzzy thoughts, there was a lot of shame on top of those thoughts. So I feel like accepting emotions for me just as they are is such a big step in the right direction because I would find that I would fear fear. I would shame my shame. I would like always have like another layer of like disappointment on top of the fact that I was already going through like a fair bit of pain. And that absolutely sucks. And I feel like whenever I hear people would be like to kids, don't cry. I'm like, oh my God, they're crying. Just let them cry. Like, I don't know. That's not helping them whatsoever. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Imagine if I had that as a kid. Like this is why for me, this book, I feel so passionately about it and I'm just so stoked that you've brought this into the world and I feel like it needs to be in every single person's house that has a kid but also every single childcare centre. Thank you. That means absolutely the world. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about how you're like how obviously you were crazy 
the 11 year old who was watching the secret i don't think i did that till i was like 25 and then so you were already applying that you have 10 years worth of experience with children like every single thing you've done in your life i feel has led to this moment and this unique gift and contribution you have to the world so how with your own emotional regulation like i've shared my story what is your story around how you were dealt with with emotions maybe from parents or from teachers as a kid yeah i i think um, gosh, at, at school was not a fun time for me. Um, I had a lot of experience where, like I said, t- my own teachers, I, I would trigger them a- into something that would display as a backlash onto me and be projected onto me and I would have to deal with that. In in hindsight, thinking now, I think my soul asked for that so that I could get to this level of making this book and everything um, so I'm grateful for the experiences, but however, they, they did happen and they were not fun at the time. Um, so I would have teachers just not listen to me. Uh, I remember one time I was at school and this boy, his name was Joshua. Are we just throwing out to see? He's not going to listen to this. But he, we'll bleep, he, bleep, bleep it out. He um, basically said that he hates story time and we were about to write stories and the teacher said okay well then you can write lines I hate story time and anyway I loved story time and I'm sitting in class and someone whispered next to me like what did he say you know and so I wrote it down I wrote I hate story time and showed them and the teacher comes straight over and goes oh you hate story time too well you go sit with Joshua and write lines and and I'm trying to explain no no I'm I'm and I'm fumbling and trying to explain and I just got cut off pushed to the side and had to write out however many times that I hated story time when I actually loved it and I was just trying to tell You're my like truth. also embodying that you hate story time. Just affirming lines. it repeatedly, like, something that's not my truth. Bart Simpson on, on the board. <laughs> yeah, and someone, what did you know about the secret then? You're probably like, this is going against everything. No, I didn't. I was in grade three. So I'm wow. just this little girl trying to get through school my favourite part of the day comes up and it's just taken from <laughs> me. Like, oh, fuck no, you are actually going over there with this yeah. naughty kid. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, grade four, I wrote uh, a, some kind of project and it wasn't written the right way apparently and my teacher just in front of the class ripped it up and said, this is not how you do it. And so, again, shut down without any explanation. And that's the thing, I never got an explanation or a chance to talk with these things. So a lot of the time when I was trying to speak up and shut down – it actually just evolved into me um, not speaking up for a while. And so I think when I did get into childcare teaching, a lot of the times I didn't agree with something. I just kind of went, oh, I guess this is how it is. You know, I've never been able to shift the way my teachers think and I'm not going to be able to shift the way these teachers think. So I'll just keep trying to do what I can on the daily for these kids, but also not feeling like it was ever enough because they'd go home at the end of the day back to their parental situation or the next year they'd be in with another teacher and I never felt like I could shift things in the way that I as impactful as I wanted to um, at the time but I think grade six came along and then (laughs) again I'm sitting at lunchtime and this teacher calls over my what I thought was my group of friends in, in lunch and we all sit together in this undercover area in grade six 
And I looked to all my friends and I'm like, guys, he's, he's calling us over and, and come on, we've got to go. And then he yells my name and, and I had to go over by myself. And because I didn't go when he first called me over, he just screamed in my face in front of the whole grade um, because I wasn't listening to him and that frustrated him. Again, I tried to explain that I was trying to get the group over because that's what I thought he wanted, but no time for that. And yeah, so it was a lot of, a lot of those things being shut down when, and not being given a chance to speak made me so accommodating in my role as a teacher to give the children a chance to speak. And, you know, I would notice a lot of kids from other educators being sat down in different timeout corners or whatever, and I'd always go over to them and go, oh, well, what happened? And they're like, and and in their mind, their response is just, oh, Miss So-and-so told me to sit here. They don't even understand why they have to sit here. The teachers noticed an incorrect behaviour, punished them straight away by putting them in this corner without an explanation, and to them, they just, they're wrong. As a human being, what they've done in that moment, they're wrong. And they don't get a why. Yeah. And I, I, I find that the why for me is, was huge. I was a why kid. I mean, mm. most kids are, but like for us, gen, generation why, we, I feel like there was this big shock to the system because I feel like a lot of us came through going, why, why? I want to know why. And it was just this curiosity like okay cool I'm being punished that's okay but so long as I know why and I feel like that is so fair like you would have just punished someone for no reason but when you have teachers and they're getting paid a salary and they're like got 30 kids in a class and they're stressed out and they've got their own problems they're bringing to school like they're just doing the best they possibly can and unfortunately the kids become the victims when they're at full capacity and they can't handle things anymore and they snap And I always say to people, I'm like, this whole, like, some people have trauma, some people don't. No, if you went to school, you've got some sort of trauma, whether it was because you were left out of a group or you were bullied or the teacher came down on you just like your stories, where I feel like they're just, like, really innocent stories that you can remember so well. Every single kid has trauma due to the fact that they went to school. Mm -hmm. Everyone, no one escaped that place, got free. Nobody. Not at all. So I'm like, it sounds, and we spoke about this before when we're eating, and it's like you have this real, like, just such genuine care for wanting to help children and such an alertness, like an overly awareness of, like, where they are at all (laughs) times, and that's really been embedded into you because you were telling me this story about these parents weren't watching this kid, and I was like, I probably wouldn't be either, and I think you're watching them because you're in childcare for 10 years, and if you lost a kid... That would be a big deal. <laughs> and, and But also it sounds like this powerlessness that was then brought on when you not only were in school, when you were trying to speak up for yourself, but then when you had a job in childcare and also maybe still trying to speak up for yourself with your peers, that they would, the teachers were now your peers, mm. but then this innate ability to have the awareness to go, actually, what is this child feeling? How can I give this child a voice and hear their truth? And that's exactly what this book does. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like powerful because I don't feel like many people are doing that whatsoever. But um, even when we went, when I first met you, like when I first met Rhiannon, we were doing a promotion, four day promotion work for cool kids. It was going to be at a shopping center. And my whole role was like, I got it on like star now, this job. Like I just like <laughs> applied for it. It was like, need money, quick, go. And then we rock up to cool kids and there's this girl that's just like 
so passionate. She's got a notebook and pen. She's like following the person around that's taking us on the guide and learning all about this kindergarten. I could not have given three fucks. I was like, cool, I'm going to learn the bare minimum to do this four-day job and get by and do whatever (laughs) I need to do. I have no interest in learning anymore. And your passion, I was just watching you the whole time. Like I could not concentrate on anything else. But this little girl who's like, okay, cool. And and you have like 17 questions for every single area we went to. I was like, can you? hurry up I have plans after this but you're very entertaining please continue and that type of passion is so what is needed to be a teacher like or just a general general care about kids and I find that a lot of people now our generation who are becoming teachers they do have that passion but I grew up with some teachers who swear to god they must have just been there for the holidays like they could not have given a flying fuck and then like even if it was your truth they couldn't have cared less. So to have this book, I'm just like such a frother at it <laughs> as well. So how did, can you explain to me how, because obviously the book, it, it al- alchemy sits in meditation. Mm. He's got fuzzy thoughts. He sits in meditation in order to create space to apply what I believe is ask, believe, receive, and then to create the space to then hear what source is going to tell him, which is the answer he needs next. So how does like emotional intelligence and I suppose manifestation work? Like, can you give me an explanation on that? Yeah. So running off the idea of that everything is energy, basically that we're kind of like a magnet. And so our thoughts create our reality. And the more you repeat them, the quicker they're going to come in. And so obviously, you know, when you're in an anxious moment, it doesn't help to keep thinking more anxious thoughts because you're just going to grow and eventually it'll consume your whole being. That's literally the law of attraction because you've, you've attracted more and more of those thoughts. They say that after thinking the same thought for about 17 seconds, that's when you've kicked the law of attraction into a magnetizing mode and it's going to offer you another thought similar. So Mm. it's that like attracts like, negative attracts negative. And so with alchemy, the idea is that when he's in this meditation, he can regulate his thoughts by identifying them. And aloe is a little aloe vera plant that is his buddy. And so aloe can see the thoughts that alchemy's having, whether they're fuzzy or rosy. And he kind of helps him. And and the little nugget in that, I guess, is that alchemy's working with nature. Mm-hmm. So by having his friend as an aloe vera plant, which is nature, and an aloe vera plant in itself is healing. It can do all sorts of wonderful things, as you would know. Um, it, like his little garden facilitator. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which nature can be, especially if you're meditating in nature around trees, whatever, they're all going to, Mother Earth offers us everything. It offers us oxygen and food and nourishment. And so it's just a little way of getting kids to hopefully connect with nature by having the aloe vera plant as his friend. Um, and so with in regards to the emotional regulation and the law of attraction, kids can it, – it doesn't have to get to a spiritual level either. It can really be just on the base belief that you are in control of your thoughts. And so, yes, if you sit there and get quiet, the thoughts are going to come up, but let them come up and move through that and then see what's next. And I guess the main theme in the book is that he asks, how can I – and then, you know, insert problem here. So in, in this book, his bike is broken 
And so he has to ask, how can I fix my bike? Instead of saying my bike is broken and declaring that and then running off with the thoughts that he does, that he's not going to be able to get home, he's, he's, he's going to have to sleep somewhere overnight, what's he going to eat, which is just that trail of attracting more negative thoughts, Allo gets him to sit still and ask the universe, source, God, inner magic, whatever you want to call it, but we call it source in the book. I keep saying we, and I think it's just because it's me and Source that are connected to this book. So I'm like, oh, we made it. Because I was very much in tune with Source when I wrote this. Mm. I literally drafted the first 12 books of the series within two months because I was just tuned in, tapped in. And and so, yeah, when I say we, it, it just keeps coming out. I'm not, I mean, love I'm it. not meaning to say Please we. Continue. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, just, it's, what, it's it, in the book, alchemy t- kind of and aloe, they actually create a we. Because alchemy is consistently every time he's getting his answers, he's it's him and source. Yeah. So I yeah. guess it's you saying we is no different to that. Yeah. Which is amazing. So yeah. please continue. <laughs> you and source. Yeah. <laughs> well, we. <laughs> yeah. So um, alchemy will ask, "How can I fix my bike?" And that opens like an endless amount of answers to come in. So when you ask, "How can I do something?" There is no one-way answer that can come in. And so he's then listening to his intuition, which doesn't tell him how he can fix his bike. He just starts to feel like going for a walk. And so Aloe con- like convinces him that that's his inner guidance and to listen to that, and he goes for the walk. And something comes up then, another predicament. Mm-hmm. He asks, how can I fix that? And it leads him to fixing his bike in the most beautiful way of synchronicity as life gives us if we are able to see it and listen to it. We get to witness it and experience it in the most magical way. I've had the most beautiful synchronicities in my life where I'm like, if I hadn't have made that phone call, I wouldn't be on the other side of Australia right now. If I hadn't have said yes to this, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have ran into that person, which led to me finding this, which led to me writing this. And now I'm sitting at this event with this person that I, you know, it's if I so wasn't on many star things. now, I wouldn't be sitting here with you. If I hadn't <laughs> gone to the cool kids thing and had a shift with you, we wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast. Yeah, and that was how long ago? Like we've had so many moments in between. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so true. Yeah, yeah. So I did that the other day when I was writing, and then someone I told you this morning, and then that person literally called me, and I was like, oh, for fuck. like it's not a coincidence. No, like we're calling it in. Sources working with us. Yeah, it's yeah. never a coincidence. It's always synchronicity, and so. I think with Allo and Alchemy working together and, and being able to get through these predicaments, which each book's going to um, delve into, they're each in relation to one of the laws of the universe. So book one is about the law of non-resistance, which is about not being resistant to the messages that come and listening to your inner voice and discerning whether it's your anxiety voice or your intuition, because I think often we can get mixed up with which is which. And... Um, at the end, there's not just, it's not like the book just finishes. At the end, there is questions and answers to go through to reiterate the information and make sure that it was retained with the children. Then there's two activities that are in relation to what the story was about. So you can further embed that information. The kids can get involved with the teachers. But I think one of the most important things is helps it's actually such a learning book that by the end of it the teachers learn stuff as well as the child so it doesn't I even matter yesterday. yeah it doesn't even matter if one of the the teachers has no idea about this they'll learn it all at the same time as the children then they can all do the questions and the activities together and it's just this massive coming together of knowledge and fun and 
dancing with the universe really yeah and like belief just like getting kids to believe in themselves is just like a huge thing that I've that's where your passion came from it's yeah. like we don't even have that sometimes as adults people are trying to be like you need to do this and our conditioning's playing and then like we lose that magic that we can do whatever we want mm. and like I suppose that's what happens when we enter the world but I love the activities let's talk about the activities because this is so powerful when you get to the end of the book and it's like let's put that learning into action and like being able to embody it and then asking that question like how can and then the kid inserts their problem at the time Mm. I just think that's so powerful so when they and then like they I guess it's just like outside the box thinking so when you've done this can you give me an example as well of when you've done this with a kid and like what the effects have been yeah so sometimes like I work at this dance school and sometimes if a kid has forgotten say their dance uniform you, you can just be like all right well how can I have a good time without my dance uniform and the, and then they'll just be like well I can you know I've still got my my school uniform on and so I can still have a dance in that and I guess I could for once take my shoes off and dance barefoot I don't need my dance shoes and it just gets rid of all the like what you should 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 shoulds and then opens you up to how can I do it in a completely different way than what is structured yeah and so if someone's at school and they need help with something, if a teacher isn't able to give that to them and they can ask, how can I, it not only empowers them, but it lets them build more of that inner trust and inner guidance and listening to that because um, sometimes teachers or, or caregivers aren't able to give the answers to that. So it lets kids lean on themselves more at a time as well where it's not sometimes available from their... Well, I feel like it helps so quickly bridge the gap between problem to solution. Mm, mm. So you've got like your problem and I'm the worst at this. I'm like, okay, let's take the not bringing your uniform thing. Oh my God, even right now in my life, like I will overthink what I have packed and overpack because (laughs) I'm like fearful of missing out on something that I probably don't at all need. But if I do miss that thing, I will sit in like any mistake I make really, I can sit in this deep guilt, shame, pain, like it's just so over the top and so heightened and amplified. But to quickly be like, okay, cool, straight to the solution. It's not suppressing that emotion or invalidating it, but it's just like, okay, sweet, like accept full acceptance. You're in this place now, like alchemy, your bike is has no wheel. That is what's happened. It is what it is. Let's accept that and also the fuzzy feelings, but let's move into a place where we're coming up with a solution. And I feel like that for me, no matter how old you are, so empowering. But with kids, did you see, like, I suppose the one thing for me is the emotions. Like, that's so powerful for me, that just that alone. But how much emotional suppression were you seeing when you were working uh, in childcare of the kids? Did you see that happening a lot still? Like, like where I suppose you've got 30 kids in a room and you're trying to, I guess, control all of them and get a move on and you've got an agenda and you need to follow it and one kid may be upset and I feel like what I spoke about with before, like teacher's capacity, they might just be like, the go-to thing might just be to suppress that kid's emotions to move on. Was that something you saw? Yeah, plen- plenty. Um, one of the main things that comes to mind is I think at lunchtime, the kindy I, one of the kindies I worked at 
supplied lunch. And so it was like a nice, warm, cooked meal, like something I don't think, I don't know if you got, but I didn't. <laughs> I got, totally I remember not. a cup of milk and a sandwich. <laughs> Yum. Yeah. And so these guys are Fancy getting, kindy. yeah, they're getting like these gourmet meals, which sometimes was just ridiculous because it's like they're at a restaurant. And they're just being offered food that a lot of kids wouldn't touch. Like it's full of veggies. It's full of, I guess, all stuff that as adults we would appreciate in a meal. But kids just want the basics, right? And some of them just want plain crackers for lunch. They just want a Vegemite sandwich. They don't want all this. The gourmet. Yeah. They they probably don't even have that at home. (laughs) Like it's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're not used to it. They're not used to it. And so some kids don't want that and they get used to the idea that what what happens is if they don't want to eat that they get offered a sandwich but the idea is you let all the kids try it and whoever's left sitting without eating their lunch gets offered a sandwich at a separate table after and so it's not because then every kid will want a sandwich right and go figure they never learned that they should just give them sandwiches from that but yeah, anyway yeah. we still offer well, the I amazing about food like getting well some people never get out of eating what they eat right so like I suppose they're just trying to introduce them to new things yeah and there's a lot of regulations now there's too many about there has to be this set meal plan every week it's got to be a different thing and it's all like government based we saw that one to cool kids I was like wow this is like extreme I'd like to apply this to my life thing yeah so many regulations you got to meet now and so um when these kids weren't like weren't eating I noticed over time the teachers were getting over it to the point where they just wanted to send them to bed without even feeding them without feeding them without dealing with all of that because they're frustrated that these kids aren't being grateful for what they've been given and I remember witnessing that and and just and of course I would on the side just take them all with me and we'd all go get sandwiches but it was like such a pinnacle point for me when I knew my career there was over because it wasn't heading in a direction it was just so controlled and it wasn't about the kids emotions it was it didn't even matter because then the teachers were that frustrated they couldn't discern who was trying to play a game to just get a sandwich and who actually was physically stressing themselves out over the fact that they could not eat this lunch and they they, like that they didn't like it there wasn't any acceptance that some kids don't like certain foods like I don't know about you but I certainly hated certain foods when I was a kid and I wasn't forced to eat them I love them now as an adult but some some things I've always hated and I will always hate Mm, well I don't think it's a teacher's job to force kids to eat something I think that's a parent's decision if they want them to try something new because and then I feel like the space will be held by the parent to like you know be with them in that moment whereas like those teachers I don't feel like are you know able to hold space for how many odd kids to try a new food exactly which is like you know your tastes are so sensitive when you're young like I can imagine they're all going through these like little mini meltdowns and some of them are getting these highs like it'd be all the emotions I feel especially when it comes to senses would be all at different levels and totally irregulated Mm -hmm. from the kid who's like give me that fucking sandwich to the other kid who's like what the hell I've never tried this this is like euphoric yeah yeah but I think having and then meanwhile they need nap time in like 20 minutes so they're probably on edge oh absolutely lunch breaks need to happen that jazz and that's that's the point would be there's 30 kids eating stuff you're in a rush there's only two educators and it's almost like there's just not time to emotionally regulate people 
There's no yeah. time for that. There's no time to sit down and talk about our emotions right now. We just need to eat mm. and go to bed so that we can have lunch too. And, you know, it's it's so crazy sometimes yeah. there. And then you've got one kid screaming because they don't want to go to bed and then you've got to deal with that. And everyone's just kind of finishing lunch at different times. Yeah. And, and so it's at the same time we're in the day where every person is just feeling that low. Like ab- the teachers are feeling that low. It's They're coffee humans. o'clock. Yeah. There's just – all the educators are just another yeah. bunch of humans. They're nothing special. Mm. And we're all going through emotions. <laughs> well, there's too many emotions in the room. Yeah. Do you, though, I feel like this is something that I'm very passionate about and, but like, I've said it like 20 times and I will continue to do so, but do they do emotions and feelings check-ins? Do kids know what feelings are at that age? Oh, they definitely know what they are. Can they, they voice they, it? It just depends. It depends on how much it's talked about at home. Mm-hmm. and then how much so there's group time in the mornings and so it's kind of similar structure to school where you would go through different themes each month and different different programs and whatever it's not like every day there's an emotional check-in you might have one term where you're talking about emotions but once that term's over you should just know how you feel and off we go well, now we're talking about planets and dinosaurs yeah you see because we all have feelings 24 7 absolutely so it's like to be like okay or oh, what did you skip that term little harrison well unlucky bro you don't have any emotions anymore yeah. like that's just not reality yeah i don't remember learning anything about emotions like not one thing ever in my life like especially not at home bless no. and so i came from a household where love you mom but like my parents my mom especially was very enmeshed so enmeshment being that she had no boundaries between me and my emotions and this is how I feel about the situations is my perspective but I would feel any emotion that was perceived negative aka fuzzy and it would trigger my mom into feeling that emotion immediately because she's a mother you know we came out of her womb like it just makes so much sense that she loves us so much that she takes it on but she didn't have the boundary to be like okay, cool, you're feeling that. How can I support that? She immediately would feel anger when I felt anger. Mm. And so then she would, in order to protect herself and what she probably felt like was protecting me, she would then suppress it. And she'd be like, that's negative. We don't do that. That's bad. Or the other side to it was she really cared a lot about what other people thought. So she would be embarrassed, I suppose, would come through if I was angry or I was behaving in a way that wasn't in all of the rosy emotions, mm. like all the beautiful positive ones. So then I felt shame. So I would either be suppressed and triggered my mom, which I didn't want to do, and she would be angry, or I would then feel shame about my emotions. Or dad would do these good ones where he was like, okay, cool, you're either hungry or tired. Nothing else in between. <laughs> I don't have any, if I'm any of those emotions, I'm hungry or tired. So if I came from a family where I didn't, all I learned was like, if you have these said fuzzy emotions, you are bad and it is bad. And like, Mm. so I would like, I guess I tried every single thing in my body to suppress it and not express those emotions in order to protect myself and like, I suppose my identity and my image in society. Well, what you, you just said, your dad said you were hungry or tired. So what's the solution to that sleep or eat? So what, anytime you feel a negative emotion, like you see adults do it now, they either go to bed yeah. And forget about it yeah. and don't deal with it or they eat it away. <laughs> so, so true. Or then you add on the 20 other vices. They've either got a vape in their hand or alcohol yeah. or my good old chestnut, which is cannabis sometimes. Like, it's yeah, there's so many other vices. we got social media now. We've got so many vices mm. that you can lean on. Consumerism. Like, it's, yeah, it's a world of 
distracting yourself from these negative emotions because nobody held space for them. Yeah. My family did the best they could. Were obviously not brought up knowing emotions either, but I feel like we all have to go to school in this modern society. I mean, if you're homeschooled, you can take that on yourself, but majority of kids go to school. I feel like for me, when I had to roll into rehab with my happy-go-lucky facade, they were like, they were shocked at me. They're like, no one has rolled into rehab day one and is just like super smiley, sitting there with everyone, playing Uno. Like everyone's just like gone off and been hidden and isolated and is just in their little puddle of shame. And Mm. for me, the reason why they were like, this chick is whack is because for three weeks I sat there in feelings check-ins and checked in with love and joy. They're like, "Mm, are you in rehab for too much love and joy? Because no one else has ever come here for that. I didn't know what an emotion was. I couldn't feel them. And because I'd been putting on this facade for 26 years that I had to be happy, otherwise I would be disgusting basically and undesirable in the world, I was just sitting there going, yeah, love and joy, threw a shame in there every once in a while, but they picked up on it really quick because they're like, that's not normal. Mm. And so for me, we did so many feelings check-ins in a day that I was like, how is this not being applied maybe once a day when you go to school? And also in the world, in society these days, it's like, how are you? Good, not a feeling, not a feeling. That isn't a feeling. That is the an answer to get someone off your back. And what we've been taught is, just an answer which it isn't and so I feel like I'm like why is this not like some sense of like checking in with kids feelings especially because every single person whether they go to school or kindergarten coming from a different background like some kids haven't been fed Mm. so they're probably starving but they're also emotionally regulated like well how is that not a thing at the start of the day to check in where everyone is at yeah I, I went to a it's like a conscious um kids kind of like an after school program because the lady is trying to get it as a you know daytime school thing but obviously it's a process to get that in as a daytime school thing so parents will bring their kids to this school holidays outside of school hours and the first thing they do is they sat in a circle and they there was this scale of emotions and they were all accepting they were all different colors and basically every child picks a peg and has their name on it with their favorite animal and they get to talk about where they are on the scale prior to the activities and why they're there and then the idea of the play is to find things that either bring you down on the scale to calm you or bring you up if you're bored and unhappy and, and you take a little scale with you around that's a mini version and you kind of move your peg around throughout your play, take note on paper of what's working and what's not. And I was just shocked, like watching these kids <laughs> self-regulate and figure out what works and what doesn't. And I was just in awe the whole time I was watching. How do I get one of them in my life right now? My face right now. <laughs> like, that is the best thing ever. Yeah. Like, they're literally creating awareness yeah. like, and embodying it mm-hmm. and having a practice with them. I think yeah. that is, I feel like every single human, given what you said before, like we just distract ourselves when we feel those negative, negative emotions, fuzzy, we're using that fuzzy now, fuzzy emotions. That is so empowering. Yeah. Because I definitely, I think you would know, I went through it while while we've been friends, but I went through a hectic um, toxic positivity stage. Oh, let's talk about this stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I think, I think it started because, okay, so obviously 
watching The Secret at 11, I'm like, cool, I, I have some kind of control of manifesting my reality. I just yeah. don't know what the fuck to do because now I'm freaking out that whatever I think is bad is coming. And mm. so, so let's just flip it on its head and only think good, mm. you know, because we don't want anything bad, right? Yeah. And so someone in The Secret is uh, Bob Proctor. He's someone who talks in The Secret. And I kind of latched onto his idea of life and and kind of went with that and had these – he was on my vision board for years until I did one of his six-month coaching programs. And it was great. It was it was great, right? I, I will always forever be grateful that I, that I did that program. Um, I just got a little bit lost in the positive side of it. And they call it like um, false light, if you will. So it's kind of like you're on the light side of this new age spirituality, whatever, but it's false because it – it, 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 I call it toxic spirituality. Is that the same thing? I would, I would assume so. Yeah. Um, it's, it's of the idea that you kind of head down that spiritual path but kind of detour away where it's only positivity. Yeah, you, you think you can live in the 5D without the 3D. Yeah, and so if you look at it like uh, three levels where the middle, the middle level is earth and that's the plane where you exist in light and darkness and you need both because without the light, how do you know the darkness? Without darkness, how do you know what light is, right? Mm. Um, but if I was living at the top level, which is just positivity. Yeah. And so we, when, had, a, we had a big chat about this. Yeah, yeah. When you're up there for so long, and you avoid anything like anxiety, stress, depression, you just kind of deny it. You're it's, completely delusional. You're completely delusional. Yeah. It's there, mm. but you're just like, no, no. Well, yeah. If I go and garden the money's and have a great time in my garden and plant things and enjoy things, yeah. money's going to show up at my door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to leave the house. I don't need to leave the house. Yeah. I don't need to do anything with you negative people. Yeah. I'm just going to say up here and head in the clouds yeah. as long as I am good a and million will, dollars is turning up to my door <laughs> any moment now because obviously I'm sitting there in manifestation yeah. asking for it I'm asking yeah. the source to give it to me yeah when I was in cult life and we'll hear more about this throughout the season but there was a girl there really young who'd been kind of like whisked into this delusion the exact mm. same thing and she we were living high up in the mountains so it was quite literally like as you say like high up like we were avoiding society yeah. you could easily be up there not come down like a 10 minute trek just to get to the bottom let alone in, back into society and this girl became really addicted to not having thinking that believing that she didn't have to go into society or exist in the 3d mm. and i remember walking along she was telling this person someone goes what is 5d and 3d and she's like 5d is basically where everyone has to be like everyone has to just be in the 5d and 3d yuck no there's no good things that come from the 3d like nothing like this such harsh rejection of reality and whenever i would try and leave to be like hey i'm going to this 30th i'm going to this i'm going to that i would they would be like oh you're you're feeling anxious about going to this and sometimes i would be because i was so delusionally in the 5d mm. right with them like trying to join that which i wasn't it was fake 5d and they would then be like, you shouldn't do anything that triggers you. You should do nothing that causes you anxiety and any emotion apart from these delusional toxic positivity emotions. And I was like, that's just not reality. Yeah. Like that is avoidance. That is avoidance and distraction. Yes, you're using a form that is like really beautiful and it's contributing to your life a lot, right? They're getting a lot of insight. They're getting a lot of 
the little time with source and manifesting and sitting in stillness and it's really beautiful it's not like scrolling on social media or drinking but it's still a distraction and it's still an avoidance you're just stagnation of growth anything yeah and I was like um I'm gonna grow no matter what I'm gonna grow by let's say going to this 30th so I'm gonna go to that because I'm only regret going to regret not going and they were so angry at me and I was like, that was the, the real pinnacle point for me when I realized exactly what you were saying. Like they were stuck and addicted to this 5D, mm. like 5D, toxic spirituality, and they were avoiding and wanted to avoid all of 3D. And I was like, you still have to like pay taxes, like do some sort of thing <laughs> in society. Like it is, you're actually delusioning yourself until it's going to slap you in the face somewhere down the lines. But yeah. yeah, it was so intense to be around. And we, during that time, actually, that was when you and I had this conversation because I was going through a lot of physical pain and we both believe, like I definitely do believe that physical pain does somewhat come from emotional pain and it stems from there. For me, it's a lot of stagnant blocks that I've held on to and when I do work through the emotional story behind it in the narrative which I have no fucking idea what it is before I'm going in like I've been able to release physical pain from my body mm-hmm. and like physically move it and my body's changed in the process and I'm like I know it's a thing because it's happened to my body like I fucking know it however when I'm feeling that physical pain at the time it is relevant and it is happening like, it is not just something I can be like, I'm not feeling this, I'm not feeling this, I'm not <laughs> feeling this. Like, no, it's, you know, manifesting it in. Like, I'm still feeling that at the time. And I was going through a lot of physical pain and I was really depressed about it and I was quite depleted and we're on the phone and we were chatting and you did this beautiful toxic what would you call toxic positivity yeah. spiel. And it was so beautiful and I, like, allowed you to finish your sentence before I was like, babe, can I even share with you what's happening right now? <laughs> what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) and you were so open though for someone who'd like that had been your whole world for so long you were like okay yeah that like it was I feel like if you speak like it was one of those pinnacle moments for you where you really got to I guess empathize with my story because you like love me and you care about me and I was able to tell you from like a place where I'm like I understand where you're coming from and I do apply that knowledge and I do think positively etc but this is also my current reality and right now what you're doing is invalidating my emotions you're invalidating my feelings and it's not helping yeah 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 no it's it's like what you said it's a harsh rejection of reality and I remember being on the phone to you and straight away my default you know false light toxic positivity thoughts were "Mm, she's not like she's actually manifesting this pain because she's thinking she's in pain you know (laughs) oh that hurts on top of the pain and I, I would try to tell you like um like you wouldn't feel this way if you didn't think you felt this way. <laughs> Whereas the pain was coming before the thoughts. Like you were, mm. things were going on in a mental sense that were manifesting physically. And this was just my complete naive but like ability to understand that at the time. It was just all avoidance of anything negative, right? And so anytime, friends, I mean, and, and you weren't one of them. I definitely stayed um through all of our conversations in it but I did lose connection with a couple of friends at the time that I was going through all this because I like actually chose to not even hang out with them because I thought they were too negative like Mm. I didn't even want that to ruin my vibe you know like and so their reality (laughs) yeah yeah And, and and I just had this complete denial that anything 
negative was good for me, right? Instead of you grow through what you go through, which I very much live by now, and, and I ask for crazy, whack, wild experiences so I can grow out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was in ma- a massive denial, especially of what you were going through. Because I just didn't even understand that side. I was so up on that top level, like I was saying, there's like three levels that – if anything bad happened, it because you're so up there on cloud nine, the minute anything bad happens, it, it doesn't bring you down to the middle level where yeah. you can deal with both. You're straight to the fucking bottom. You're on the third level down. You're all you're, you're, you're the deepest as deep as it goes. And then mm. you try to bounce straight back up to the top because because you're so used to being up there, happy, happy, happy. Mm. The minute you feel anything bad and it actually comes in, it's a lot worse because it's like – being pulled down from such a high place, you, you have to go from heaven on earth to rock bottom very quickly. Absolutely, yeah, well, and you got to climb. Like that. Your reality isn't like that, but the emotions in your body, yeah, it feels like that. You and you have to climb back up, yeah. Because I don't know about you, but you're, you're actually again what I said before. You're fearing the fear. Yep. You're like almost like angry at yourself that you let someone come in or reality come in and take you from your toxic state of like positivity yeah. down to any version of reality, let alone feeling triggered. I suppose you go into a trigger, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, I, mate, I did like six months and it slowly progressed when I was in this situation that I call cult life. Like, and I fucked up a lot. Like I was pretty horrible to some people and like it got in my head because there is, and we will, I've gone to, this was an episode with someone who's very passionate, passionate about it as well, but toxic spirituality is fucking dangerous. Mm. It's fucking dangerous. And that's how it's a version of how people get involved in cults and they use the sense of belonging and these high vibe things and and basically just an avoidance of reality because reality isn't fucking easy they're being we're being tested we're being challenged we're trying to push ourselves we're up leveling constantly like and when you think that you can just up level without the real life challenges like you're in a state of constant delusion and so don't worry like when what you went through losing friends and whatnot i did similar things as well and like i believed that I was wearing a crystal in my head. <laughs> I looked like a fucking. Some people were seriously concerned about me, but I believed that what I was doing because I was being convinced by someone who said they loved me unconditionally, and I felt mm. really lonely prior to meeting this person. Mm. I fully believed everything they said at one stage, and luckily for me, I was still coming back down to reality. Yeah, to be half and half in my life. Yeah, but it's a dangerous situation when you're in that position because. Not only that, you can get yourself into a state where, and I see a lot of people now, they're not embodying, um, they're treating their body as if they don't need it. Yeah. In, they're like, oh no, this is just my little spiritual home that I'm like in, you know, and that's like a vessel for me, but I don't need it. They kind of dismiss what their body needs in this world. And at the end of the day, they're just going to get physically ill. And then you're not, you're going to be hitting spirit quicker than you thought, mate, mm-hmm. because you're going to die. But that's also going to be a painful death because you're not looking after yourself. So a lot of people I find who are in this state are not embodying, like they're not grounding, I suppose. Let's yeah. Say it's yeah. super weird because I was listening to a podcast literally on the way to your house this morning and this guy said, and I, I loved it. He goes, I don't say that we're spiritual beings living a human life. We're spiritual and physical beings living a dynamic life. Boom shakalaka. I love that. I was just like mind blown. Mm. If we can't just nourish the spiritual energetic side because we are in a physical body in this dynamic life. And if you deny that, then you're just going to be living your life in your head. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's what these these toxic positivity this that, that lifestyle that's what happens. And I started to question when everything was happy happy happy. I was like isn't that the goal of reaching for that? Isn't that what it's meant to be like when we die? Like if the belief of when we die it's all good and it's all love and light and all that sort of jazz. I'm like that's great. When we're in that, before we manifest as a human, aren't we looking for low experiences to grow our soul while we're here on earth? So the point of then living in this fully only love and light lifestyle without any darkness here on earth, isn't that the same as what it's like in the realm when we die? So then wouldn't it, what's the point in coming here if that's all earth is like? If it's all happy, you manifest things straight away, you get what you want straight away, like how fucking boring. But has it happened to anybody? Tell me a success story that doesn't have in it a little bit of challenge. That's how you get there. Yeah, like exactly. you can't like be so successful. Fucking delusional. The yeah. whole thing is a complete delusion yeah. that they, you think that that can be your reality because yeah. if you are doing it, you're most likely not living in reality. No, that's yeah. what earth the earth plane is about is light and darkness, that yin and yang. Yeah. All of that jazz. And yeah. so yeah, I think I think I guess coming back to the story about fuzzy and rosy thoughts, if we can't learn to accept both and regulate both and and be in both comfortably and accept that they are going to come up, then you do just get lost in this either toxic positivity or toxic negativity you can't yeah. you, you got to just it's try to mind. try yeah. to exist in both yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and i believe that that's the like bridge right there is like you can teach kids in the, like about their uh, manifestation about the law of attraction about how you can fucking get whatever you want so long as you're not delusional in thinking that you can do it with rosy thoughts 24-7 yeah. or rosy feelings, let's say, 24-7. Because I feel like thoughts and feelings, yeah, they're different, but sometimes it's like a very quick pathway. Mm. But I feel like that was the most important thing in this book is that it's the teaching of emotions to kids and the acceptance of it to go from problem to solution and then also stillness, like just to be able to sit in it. Like that's my hardest thing ever yeah. because I can't fucking sit still yeah. but is to be able to sit in my, I guess, like the pain. And yin yoga has been a massive one for me. I definitely big advocate for that, mm. like sitting in physical pain that I'll get flashbacks to maybe like if I like used to be my hips so I have a big injury in my hip when I got hit by a scooter in Bali and whenever I'd go into certain poses the flashbacks were so intense and I would just have to sit in it and just cry and feel it and go back to the thing and more recently I've been going back to those memories and like nurturing Emma in that time that mm. the nurturing she didn't get and it's actually kind of like hypnotizing myself and being able to like make it less and less but throughout the whole thing I'm still nurturing her and being like Hey, this is fucking scary. You're lying there getting your head stitched up in Bali and this person doesn't speak English and you don't have any memory of how you just got concussed and knocked down and your head split open and everyone's saying that you should be dead. So, you know, that is scary. I'm not going to sit here and invalidate that. I'm going to go back to that and comfort you and like let you know that it doesn't matter. You're still going to be okay mm. instead of me thinking it was the end of the world in that moment. So sitting in it is also so powerful and teaching kids at a young age when this in this day and age they're getting given iPhones whenever they feel mm. uncomfortable or an iPad in front of them when they're sitting at dinner or something Here's is Coca-Melon. so crucial. <laughs> yeah, like we just we already teaching kids how to avoid 
not even a way of playing now, yeah. but in a way of like complete distraction. And once you touch that iPhone or iPad, you're in a fucking vortex, as we all know. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like those are the two big things for me. The components that don't get kids or you're not projecting onto kids that toxic positivity that comes with the law of attraction right Mm. because they're all coming from different situations like some kid may have come from a mansion that morning where he had a nanny cooking breakfast and you know he played on his slide and all this bullshit whereas the other kid like kids may not have been fed they come in their dirty clothes from last night nappy full yeah and the reality is Either or kid could feel worse than the other. Absolutely. So still every single kid's feelings are valid mm-hmm. and we need to learn to validate them. But also I feel obviously very passionately about getting kids and adults and everyone to understand their emotions. Yeah. And well, and, and the point in having it so easily picked up by an adult to learn just the same thing means that they can go on that journey with the child as well. And it's not just the child having to figure it all out. Like they can either... Yeah, the parents are going to learn stuff as they go through it as well, which is so, yeah. so important. That's so true because, like, if likewise, I feel like I had to go through a very harsh learning, mm. biggest blessing ever, very grateful, but like thrusted into rehab where you're doing 15 feelings check ins a day. That's not fucking normal. Yeah. And then I, how's my form? I'm like, when I have kids, every single night we sit at dinner, I'm going to make them do a feelings check in before they can eat because that was one of the things <laughs> that would happen. Like, I'd have to go to this table and do a feelings check in before I could eat. And then everyone's like, yeah, your kids are going to be in rehab from trauma from the feelings check in. <laughs> so you're going to like overdo it, sis. Calm the fuck down. But for me, I was like, why did I miss out on this? Yeah. And like, you know, not my parents' fault, not. I feel I believe that school could definitely apply it, mm. but um, yeah, I think that it's just so important that it's being applied somewhere along the lines. And this book is doing that because if you're a parent and you've haven't had to have a situation like me, you know, if you're 29 years old with having a kid, yeah. you can still learn that by picking up this book. Yeah, so simple, so yeah. easy, and learn also the way to communicate with your kids around emotions mm-hmm. and to communicate with. I think like a point I want to touch on is communicating with kids from your inner child to their inner child mm. because when you talk to them as adult to child, it's it, so many mixed emotions get in the way because you're expecting them to understand things that they're just not going to. And if we look at every child as if at one stage they were just a blank canvas and, and the way they've been programmed by their environmental conditioning and the people around them that's why they are the way they are they haven't just born jimmy wasn't born screaming a narcissist like he was he was programmed and conditioned Mm -hmm. to become like that and so if it's more of a focus on well how can we shift our perspective about these people or or the behaviors that they're doing and talk about our emotions in a way that's fun and involves activities and it's it's all about growth and that we are all just humans whether we are an adult or a child the adult definitely still has their inner child in them as well and and that work is so important that inner child work is something I'm doing at the moment and it's just like you are that though like (laughs) we were walking along the beach this morning instantly Rihanna's like there's so many beautiful shells and straight away is looking and like obviously I probably take it for granted I'm on the beach every single day but you embody that inner child like and that I feel like is one of your gifts and you were saying earlier like it was I guess was it one of the reasons that you entered early childhood education 
Yeah, I think so, for sure. I've always been like a kid. Even though I'm an adult, I still feel like the little girl. Like, yeah, especially um, I owe a lot of that to Harry Potter. Like when that came out, I was just like, I'm Harry. Like, and, and I have, I have a crystal wand in my bag at all times. It goes everywhere with me. And I just flick it around. If I'm in traffic, I'm like, oh, man, happy times for you. Like, you cut me off. Oh, here's a bit of positivity, you know, and just kind of wa- <laughs> not wave it out near my steering wheel. But, <laughs> but definitely un- under, the, under the steering wheel, it's like <laughs> flicking around. Oh and, you know, I, I think just I've, I've just <laughs> the word magic resonates with my heart and soul and being so much if I could have magic just tattooed across my forehead mm. I would and I can and but I, I just don't I can but I don't <laughs> uh, but do it I dare you no I don't want to yeah I, I do I see that as like have you seen everything you're moving into as well yeah. and everything you've come from but like the inner child in you is so pure and mm. it's something that whenever I'm around you I'm like oh my god I've forgotten about this person I need to bring it back in and we do as adults we just like there's so much seriousness in the world and we're in our head and what do we got to do next and we're never really present but you have never lost that and I feel no. like 10 years of being around kids like when you know when you're with them and the way you play with them mm. you have to drop to that level hopefully yeah. if you're good at doing that yeah and then you're like in it with them and like I feel like there's no greater person I would have want to be in early childhood education with my yeah. kid than you because you you are embodying it thank you I, I often got um mistaken as one of the children because I'm quite quite little (laughs) and so I would have my back faced in the room sitting immersed in a group circle doing an activity or lego or drawing and and I just hear an educator walk past and go where's the teacher guys and and I just turn around like I'm here you know just as one of the kids so I think for me to enjoy myself literally like the the, my, my most fun like enticing thing to do all this I was like oh I get paid to draw with children like that's great like often a lot of teachers just sitting to the side waiting until lunch or waiting till whatever and and I'm there right in it and I love it and I think um something I always tell people which I'll mention on here because it might get to a few people but get a picture of yourself however old you are as a kid like five or six and put it as your phone background and every time your phone pops up with a message or you go to use it just ask who you're living life for and, and if it's for that little person on your screensaver, then you'll just – the things you'll do after looking at that big smile of your little self is like, I'm living life for you, baby. It's <laughs> so true. We did that like in rehab. They were like get pictures of your younger self and – it's all of a sudden went from like, I'm not doing this for me, I'm doing it for her. Mm. Like when I needed that drive. But also now that I'm thinking about it, when I need to just fucking live and enjoy myself and do the kiddie. I, I mean, I was a kid who as a teenager grew up very quickly. Mm. I was like wannabe gossip girl. Serena Vanden Woodson was probably my idol at that me time. Me too. Pretty fucking delusional. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sis, you got to be just walking around New York, are you? But like, that's a, that's a version of trying to grow up way too quickly. Yeah. And we did, and I skipped, and I just I wanted to get away from my childlike self instantly, mm. and that I felt like was probably a pressure from society. Like you need to grow up, and mm. like you can't act like a child. And then I think that when we get told that as teenagers, some people just go, "Okay, cool, I can't." put down the pen and paper, I'm not doing colouring in anymore, I'm not doing all these things. But in recent years, we've noticed that all those things you do as a child have now come back to be the way that people ground themselves, have less anxiety, 
like the solutions for depression. Yeah. Like isn't that just crazy that it's just like, okay, go to a kindergarten and hang out with them. Yeah. Use little motor skills, <laughs> like draw, yeah. do whatever you need to just come back to yourself. And it is all of that is connected to honouring your inner child and what they want to do. Absolutely. And you're not separate from your inner child. I used to get quite annoyed when people would go, oh, do like the inner child work, you know, like and, and use talking as if they're separate, as if like do this for your inner child and this is for your inner And I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, so – Okay, so within me then, there's me, whoever that is, there's my higher self, my higher power, source, and then there's this inner child as well. So I'm like, shit, like there's so many people we've got to work for here. Like this is nuts. (laughs) And then I remember doing one of uh, Dr. Espen's DMT breathwork sessions Mm -hmm. and in it I'm, I'm laying there. And in the in the part where the, the DMT is released naturally in your body, I'm laying there and I, I see myself sitting, looking at the sunset, but my back is towards myself. I'm looking at the sunset and next to me on the left side is my higher self that's kind of translucent. And um, to the right of me is this little girl, which is my inner child. And as I'm watching them, the, both the two, the, the left higher self and the right inner child merged into my body as one. And I was like, aha light bulb moment I am me which is my higher self I am that I am my inner child I'm all of it you know so I'm not doing things for someone else these things selves are me and so when I'm drawing my inner child is drawing my higher self is drawing and creating and when I'm when I'm doing all sorts of things when I'm in nature we're all embracing it and and we're just like this beautiful marrying of, of energetic identification I love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a powerful thing as well, like doing the d- DMT breath work <laughs> in general, <laughs> whatever comes up. But that's like was clearly your calling, I feel, was to be able to understand that because for someone who, yeah, you you just like your whole identity comes through with like you are this inner child and you, yeah. you then it's like the permission thing. You give permission for me to be my inner child when I'm around you. Mm. Yeah, and I would hope that I'd give that to people when they, they speak their truths, etc. But, like, that is a really empowering one. And when you're drugging the trees, like, you have such a bond and connection with nature that you only really see in children. Yeah. And when they've seen it for the first time, they're like, oh, and they look at it in awe and your eyes light up. And, like, it's something that adults so need to be doing. But let's tap into the Harry Potter thing because for me, I grew up with Star Wars. Okay. Wasn't so, I wasn't so much Harry Potter, it was Star Wars. <laughs> so I, like, for me, it was like, you know, it's totally possible to become a Jedi. Like, mm. why would it not be? And I think this is how, like, we both connected. Like, we so, we both believed so much that anything was possible mm. and we both became each other's accountability buddies. Rhiannon and I met just before we met at a really pinnacle time for me because I'd come out of rehab and I had to go back for, like, this week course thing. And we met like the week before that, I think, and did like four days together. Yeah. And then I went back to Sydney and at the back end of Sydney, I was, oh, I was there while they were like talking about coronavirus. So it was like all this chat and I got sick and mum was like, do you have it? And I was like, what, this isn't even going to be a thing. And then by the time I like landed that Friday or like came back here, they were like pretty much calling for the whole world to be shut down. So in a time where everyone was quite isolated, me definitely, Especially for like what I just learned, what I'd just been through. I didn't really have too many friends that were able to hold the space for me 
during that time you heard Mm. all about it I was quite lonely and to have you we made this commitment to each other to be accountability buddies and I think that like given both of our like me just fucking frothing Star Wars and believing that Jedi Knight skills are possible and you just with your magic wand righto (laughs) righto Hermione (laughs) and we both just came together on a weekly basis and we're basically having feelings check-ins we were doing check-ins in our whole life and then we were holding each other accountable and setting goals for the week. And, like, mm. that is one of the most powerful things that I believe you can have because whether you're getting it in, like, a circle that you go to each week or whatnot, if you can have someone like we had, like, that was pretty fucking wild. And that was, like, we both through, through, went through a lot of interesting times there. I think you were just finishing out with the proctor thing. Yeah, yeah, I was because that's that's the – at the end of the six months coaching, they say, now go and get an accountability buddy and, like, keep this shit going. And so I tried with one of the students I did it with, but I remember being like – she was on the other side of the, like, planet, like somebody, so, you know, and so that was great for us, but I needed someone who was local that I could actually get together with because I'm very much about – physical experiences as in being with you across from me right now is so much more powerful than being on the phone to you like I can feel your energy so much more I can see you smiling you know all that jazz so I think when we hit it off as accountability buddies that was amazing because every week if if I didn't feel like doing something I'm like and what am I going to tell Emma next Tuesday? <laughs> so, so it does. It definitely works. It definitely holds you accountable. And you set the goals you want to do. Like I remember you were doing some writing at the time and, and it was just like, okay, well, how many chapters have you done now? You know, and yeah. we really held that space for each other. And if you hadn't reached your goal, you get to talk about why and what happened that week and, and what limited you and what yeah. you're going to change as for the plan for next week and was so so beneficial and it was a challenging time where we both aligned with the same perspectives on what was going on in the world as well which was made me feel very connected yeah. and like rather than like I felt a lot of loneliness with the people I was around because yeah. our opinions were so different mm-hmm. so it was definitely one of those times but what I remember we met up and we went to a bookstore and we saw secondhand books and these, there was two of them because I wanted the one you got. And I was yeah. like, oh, I wish I had that. And there was only two. And it was 40 days and 40 nights. Mm-hmm. And if I could recommend a, for anyone who's like, oh, I want to do the work, I want to do anything along those lines, mm. like that was the best book. And to think that you would do that in 40 days and 40 nights, you're fucking delusional. Yeah. Not a chance. Like it was like I would sit in maybe one for a week because it took me years, so around about one for a week, a little bit more. And whatever that topic was, whether it was like forgiveness or whatever it was, and the thing they gave you was like four pages and you filled it out and whatnot. It was the most powerful thing I've ever done. And like going through that, we started off together. That was like so encouraging. And I feel like for us, we were really embodying the adventures of El Camino Mm. Hello? Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Like we were kind of embodying it and you were writing the book at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like we were doing it. We were both like going and we're sitting, we're really validating each other's emotions, what we were going through. And I think that like that's something that's so powerful and I hope that more people are able to do that. But even like in kindergartens and stuff, like maybe in the mornings or something, they can have like an accountability buddy that they share their feelings with or something like that. Like I'm just like, how are we not like – I'm just such an advocate for – like making sure that we start to encourage these things that we need as adults and that we need to have to then learn and we call it doing the work, but it could just be so embodied into the education system. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. I'll, just when you said doing the work, my like inner voice just went, "Or living the life," you know. Like, isn't living the life somewhere where you can just wake up and check in with how you're feeling, have someone holding you accountable as well as yourself, and just having fun? Like, it, it, like my ideal school education system would just be it, it'd be play based like they are now, but so much more energy work. You know, like I'm so of that belief that we, we are just made up of subatomic particles vibrating at certain frequencies depending on the thoughts that we're thinking. Mm. You know, like the frequency of love is 528 hertz. So that, that says something, right? Then there's fear has a frequency. Like that's why you get all those, I mean, if you look up YouTube or uh, Spotify, there's heaps of you just put on 528 hertz and, you know, you're just bringing in the frequency of love. Yeah. And, I mean, that's how people, like, fear. And when we did the Espen thing together, like, fear is sitting in your sacral chakra. Yes. And when we think about fear, for me, it's sitting in your sacral chakra. We're chakra. Women are fucking doomed the minute we get here because, like, you know, it's gross to shit. Yeah. Disgusting to fart. So yeah. you're holding in those two things. You're literally holding on to your shit. And then there's... So much shame around having your menstrual cycle, which literally is the only thing and reason why humans exist and how we can procreate. Yeah. And so we're shamed about that. We're constantly, if you have any sort of pain around it, which every single person has, like you're literally bleeding from the inside out. Mm. Um, you have a fear around getting it because not only like, you know, how many times do you check yourself and you're like, well, I'm Nelly Drew. I don't want to publicly be seen with little spot anywhere. I need to prepare. Yeah. And then you're like putting this fear on yourself monthly. Like yeah. just in that chakra for all women is just like, oh, you, it's fear and you're like, already creating all this stagnant energy and I mm-hmm. truly believe that that comes into a lot of I suppose diseases women mm. are getting these days and mm. especially more so and then you know they're giving you all these products that are just like anything to stop the flow which is not what was meant to happen in the no. first place so it's like yeah if you come down to every single emotion then you've got guilt the second one up and that sits in your stomach who hasn't felt guilt when they've eaten food before, especially mm. women, but obviously men as well, who hasn't felt that? Like mm. just there and then you have like two emotions and two chakras that are completely blocked out of things that are societal expectations and I would call it toxic masculinity. Yeah. 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 So it's like we are creating – the only way to do it is like to go into like trust and love and to like trying to, I guess, create and – have more fuzzy it's to have more rosy feelings and fuzzy feelings yeah. and like getting kids to do that at such an early age like mm. that's so much more empowering than later on in life but i feel like yeah. you you have this beautiful thing with the magic it's just oh my god i love it and just like i sit there in awe and talk about it with you but and it comes into your now business of all the and how do you think, especially like, I believe that we need to be telling kids that they can do whatever they want, not constricting them to like, what would you really want to be when you grow up? And like, you know, like that's even then, that's probably giving them more excitement than year six is going to give them. Like, <laughs> they're going to be like, oh no, you have to get serious about that. Like that's not possible for Pick you. one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick <laughs> one thing and you're going to actually stick to it for the rest of your life once you turn 18. Mm. It's so delusional. Everyone changes their mind at any single moment. But it's, and experiences can do that as well. But with you, what you want to be doing with magic and mm. the little Harry Potter in you, like what – where does the Volativo come in now and how do you see that shaping the world? Oh my gosh, the vision for a Volativo is, it's massive. And I, and I had this 
session with like a life coach where I kind of put on a spreadsheet everything I want for it. And they straight away said, well, that's a 10-year plan. And I and I, I, I kind of shut me down hard and was like, okay. Uh, and they're like, and if you want to be a mom over here, then that's that's something you'd have to focus on instead, you know. And if you want to do the photography stuff, you can't be taking photos while being a mom while working on a Volativo. You know, it was so limiting because my vision is so big for a Volativo. And I... I kind of, it kind of let it get to me for a couple of months. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck that. Like it can take me no amount of time. It could take me my whole lifetime to get this goal achieved. But this is the reason that I'm here. And I actually don't care what the timeline is so long as I get to work on it for the rest of my life. So who were they to know it's going to take 10 years? Mm. They wouldn't have a clue. It's all a whole energy momentum manifestation process that I'm in complete control of. And so the vision for Evolutivo, Evolutivo means evolutionary and progressive. And so to me, life and humans is always evolving it's always progressing, it's always growing. And so the point of it is to combine a bunch of already existing businesses. So I thought I could go in and create all my own products if I wanted to and courses, but there's people that I look up to and admire and have friends that have created their businesses already that what that sell the things that I want to sell. And I'm like, instead of me going out and creating another business like those, let's bring them all together, add my flavor into the mix. And a Volativo is like this combined community of like-minded businesses that are spiritual natured, um, all about the mental, physical and spiritual evolution and growth of your soul. And it's just this community. So it's like an online community. My website has all the other businesses as well. And I also have my own products. So I've got like, you know, t-shirts and stuff that say I am energy and um, they say Volativo and all that jazz. But then you can buy a wand. You can buy a wand. That's a I got a girl who makes the wands, custom handmade. Um, And then, yeah, we sell other people's little book, like books and their little trinket bags that you put your crystals or tarot cards in and like so many different combination of things and then then there's the whole online course side of it as well so that is there's a whole program on the Evolutiva website half of them are free and half of them are paid but they're so cheap it's ridiculous um which I'm so grateful for and they're like the superhuman abilities so it's it's there's meditations there's well-being practices vagus nerve stimulation telepathy, lucid dreaming, astral traveling, mind sight, which is seeing without your eyes so you're physically blindfolded <laughs> but can sense things and see things. Um, and we did that. Like We did. And brought, what, would you, what is that thing called? A, a mindfold. Yeah, which is, it just seems like a blindfold but it's like completely stuck to your face and it's like more like um what is it the vr it's like a vr style but completely blacked out and um she's like okay put it on and then you were like you know putting your hand over some part of my body and every single time i knew exactly where it was and the same with you when you tried it and i was like whoa (laughs) yeah so with adults it's a lot harder because we're conditioned to believe we see through our physical eyes right yeah but our whole body is made up of senses and we can actually see things without our eyes and so for kids there's kids literally being blindfolded playing ball games doing drawings reading books that they've never read before and they don't need to because they've their body can see it their physical body can see it without their eyes and so my 
Your face. My right face. Now. <laughs> I'm just like, this is wild. Not are we going from like volume one, the law of non-resistance with little alchemy here, but like what's going to come from that and what is possible yeah. is like absolutely crazy. But I feel like it's just what's happening in my head is like society would be so against this. Like it's just like, imagine if we all were running around like Harry Potter, like it just would go against, especially yeah. our thoughts on it. Like everything, that all the control they've tried to have of us, especially when people are freaking the fuck out about like a vaccine at the moment Mm -hmm. let alone thinking this shit is possible absolutely yeah and so like I feel like it's one of those things where it's like so exciting and mind-blowing but also like I can see people coming in and being like that's not possible because we need to protect our control and it's like society gets off on insecurities Mm -hmm. right imagine we all thought we were like superhuman yeah yeah what 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 what, how would they they control anybody anybody that's right that's (laughs) right and so I think for my goal for it is to embody a lot of that stuff myself first and put the evidence on social media so on the Evolutivo Instagram and my Instagram I jump on and when I'm doing any of these activities I talk about them film them as well so it's I'm going you can read a book blindfolded sis I plan on seeing yeah (laughs) for sure so I want to embody this stuff in my lifetime and my inner child screams at me to do it every day um and, and then I'll use that as evidence to grow the business because it's not something you can just be like you're superhuman here's these courses like have fun like they're definitely there and they're available for people now but unless I embody it and lead by example then it's just kind of sitting there and so my goal is to really push the limitations of my body and see what I can do and and hopefully it inspires other people to embrace their magic but there's two things I want to do before I die Um, on this earth and it's one light up a light bulb with my hand and using the energy in my body and levitate and as as, and and I always say as long as I do those two things before I die then I die happy but I'm gonna die happy anyway but they're my they're my two goals in life it's not to be a multi-millionaire fucking I just I just want to like be magic that is your form of abundance yeah. Your personal form of abundance. And I feel like, yeah, in, in saying that, I've never seen someone get so happy to hug a tree. So yeah. I will be <laughs> putting Rhiannon's Instagram so you can find her in the show notes and you can look at all of her tree hugging photos. Like, I don't think you could look at your Instagram, Re, and not be like so happy and smiling from <laughs> ear to ear. And just like, it's like a slap in the face for perspective for me sometimes. I'm like caught up thinking about something that is a fuzzy thought that's mm. going into like and I go deep into that rumination and then it's like I see something you've shared in your content and you're not even it's not even just a highlights reel it's how you live every day I watched you do it this morning and it's it just lights me up and you were just like this walking inner child and you refuse to give that up and rightly so like I don't think anyone should have ever had to give it up in the first place and I think the fact that we're all coming back to it in order to deal with the pressure of society like go draw in between the lines go do all those things you did in kindergarten like it's a big it's so empowering to see that like we should have never given that up in the first place and I love that you have brought this book to the world like I feel like for me and for everyone needs to anyone who has a child needs to get this in their life but even if not, you need to buy it for a friend who has a child and read it before you do so. Because yesterday morning, I was in the fuzzy thoughts and feelings and it immediately brought me back down to earth. And I applied it instantly. I became still. I asked what I needed and I created the space to hear source and give me the solution. And I was like, oh, I'm back. 
I'm fucking back and it's so empowering and I think that bridging that gap between like accepting emotions is the most important part as well so that we don't have that little toxic spirituality you can just think your way out of your serious situation you're like mid-trauma it's like no let's accept what you are going through it is what it is and then we can create what's happening next by, by sitting in that stillness which every single person needs put down your phone sit in the stillness I need to do it more often everyone needs to do it more often so I'm just so grateful for you. I think this is one of the most revolutionary children's books in the world. And I don't just say that because I'm absolutely in adore you, but I just say that because I think that this is just exactly what I would have needed as a child as well. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Em. And I just want to thank you for, I guess, over the last few years in our friendship, holding space for me as I've shifted into who I am today and just leading by example in so many things like are you, sometimes I'm like you're not just my sister you're like a second mom <laughs> <laughs> I will share my truth <laughs> yeah. and I love it and you you give me a lot of inspiration in life and I love even seeing you with your microphone and your podcast and seeing your vision come to life as well it's amazing and yeah you're gonna go places girl oh, you're gonna be fucking <laughs> levitating in no time sis <laughs> thank you so much and guys get your hands on this in the show notes i'm gonna have all the information for Volativo where you can get download all these amazing incredible courses and purchase of yourself a wand so you can wave it at someone in traffic <laughs> i think that's very important that we all have one of them and definitely grab this book because i think it's We'll put a link on there where you can yeah, get it because sure. that's being – what's happening with that again? We're getting another publisher. Yeah, I'm shifting link. shifting publishers, but they'll always be – yeah, there'll be a link for yeah. sure. Okay, yeah. and, then yeah. and then you have to check out Brianna's Instagram because there's nothing like seeing a girl who loves hugging a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much, Liz. Thank you love so you much. Love you too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. If you made it this far, Congratulations. You clearly learnt something, had a little giggle or somewhat enjoyed yourself. So do us a big juicy favour, share this episode on your Instagram, tag Sheila's and Shenanigans and pop on over to Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and an extra delightful review. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, big love to all my party people.